Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Suzanne Blimson. Iraq's second city, Basra, sits on top of some of the world's biggest oil reserves that fuel the country's economy. But life in the city serves as a warning for how rapidly ordinary people can pay the environmental price for mismanagement, even as the petrodollars flow in. Chloe Cornish discusses the city's water crisis with Leslie Hook, our environment correspondent. Chloe, the water crisis reached catastrophic proportions last summer in Basra when over 100,000 people were hospitalized with water poisoning and riots broke out. Can you describe what happened? So people started going out to protest around July last year. They were upset about a lot of things like rolling power cuts and unemployment and political corruption. But things got really heated when thousands of people started to get sick. And to this day, nobody quite knows exactly what caused all this gastrointestinal illness. But by August and September, thousands of people were showing up in Basra's hospitals with diarrhoea and vomiting. I mean, just one hospital I went to in Basra said they'd received somewhere between 50 and 60,000 patients with these sorts of symptoms. And in total, at least 118,000 people went to hospital with this mystery illness. Unsurprisingly, this added fuel to the protests. In September, Basra descended into riots. But it also had a huge impact on children and elderly folks in particular because they have weaker immune systems. And one head teacher that I talked to, she said about 60% of her students at her primary school had actually got sick. Do we know what is causing this severe water pollution? The water pollution is a result of a combination of factors. It's like a just perfect storm of terrible things. There's industrial waste that seeps into Iraq's rivers across the country and both of the main rivers of Iraq, a country which is known as the country of two rivers, the Tigris and the Euphrates, they both come and meet in Basra and you've got pollution and sewage from all across Iraq basically being carried down towards Basra via these two great rivers. And it's not just Iraq, those rivers also pass through Turkey and Syria as well. And there's also a river from Iran that runs into the main river in Basra too. So it gets everybody's rubbish, basically. You also have this issue with water tapping upstream. So in Turkey and Syria and in Iran, more dams have been built on these rivers, which means that a lot less water is actually arriving in Iraq. So the level of fresh water that's coming down these rivers is drastically reduced. If you can imagine, Basra sits just at the top of the Persian Gulf, and that means you have like a tidal inflow of salty water that goes up the river up to Basra. So you need a lot of fresh water to push that salty water down and into the Persian Gulf. But as I just said, you've got less fresh water coming down from the rivers. So that means the salty water is able to get further and further up the river than it was before. So this increased salinity of the water in the river that's actually in Basra itself meant that people couldn't use that river water in the same way that they had been using it before. They had to turn to different water sources and a lot of those weren't clean. And you also just have rising temperatures in the region and that has an effect of course on water levels because you have a lot of evaporation from rivers and that means that you have less water arriving in Basra. And Basra, of course, is famous for its oil production. Is the oil industry making things worse? Oil companies say they operate to very high environmental standards in South Iraq. But we do know that agricultural land has had to be given over to oil fields in parts of the Basra governorate. 
and that's contributed to rural to urban migration which has badly strained sewage services and other basic services in Basra. The population has absolutely exploded in the city, it's almost double what it was 10 years ago. Now on the oil, Dr Shukri Hassan, a professor of environmental pollution at Basra University, told me that on top of all the oil spills and things that you get naturally from oil installations, increased emissions from the oil industry is really affecting air quality in Basra. Iraq actually has this really massive problem with gas flaring. They don't have the infrastructure to capture all their natural gas, or even most of it. I think 70% of natural gas is actually just burnt in Iraq, and obviously that does not do good things for the air quality. What's been happening in the countryside surrounding the city outside of Basra proper? Southern Iraq has these incredible marshlands, which have supported communities who hunt and fish there for thousands of years. It also has farmland that has sustained people again for thousands of years. But the marshlands were badly damaged by Saddam Hussein, who was the dictator of Iraq, who was deposed in the US-led invasion in 2003. He cut off water supplies to the marshes in retaliation for perceived dissension by the people living in the marshlands. And because of that salinity issue that I talked to you about before, the water reaching much of the farmlands south of Basra has actually become too salty. Salinity levels have risen in these farmlands, made them almost unusable. So millions of people have lost their livelihoods and done what people do all around the world, which is move to a city to look for opportunity. That has created concrete slums throughout Basra, often over public parks. And you will see entire tribal communities have up sticks and moved to Basra and they've brought often sheep and goats with them. So between the water shortage and the air pollution and this incredible crowding that you've described, what has been the impact of all of this on public health? Not good. I spoke to a water specialist at Basra Provincial Council, Ala Badran. He was very eloquent on the impact on the environment and on people's health of the acute water shortages. <laughs> In this clip, he's explaining to me that agriculture in Basra is shrinking and this is a very grave problem because Basra is one of the hottest cities in the world and people need plants for better air quality. But in fact, instead of people planting more vegetation, the population's growing, but the amount of greenery is decreasing. I find this particularly sad because people described to me that Basra used to be a very green, almost jungle-like city, crisscrossed with all these canals that used to feed agriculture in the city. Mr Badran actually said this lack of vegetation causes all sorts of public health problems from respiratory diseases and allergies to asthma and even cancer. What's the financial situation of the city of Basra? Why has there been so little investment in making life better for the city's 4.5 million residents? Most Basraris actually blame mismanagement and corruption for the terrible state of services that they experience in Basra. But a lot of people also criticise the federal government in Baghdad because it's often failed to send money to the provinces, including Basra. This is particularly galling for Basraris because the southern oil fields around Basra supply about 70% of Iraq's oil and at least 90% of the country's public revenues come from oil. But they don't feel like they see any benefit of being sat on top of all of this oil and being the economic motive for the rest of the country. I mean, some people are so angry about this that they want Basra to split from Baghdad and become a semi-autonomous region so they have more control over their own affairs.
You mentioned that one of the rivers in Basra comes from Iran. How have relations with Iran complicated matters? Iran and Iraq share a giant border, and Basra is wedged down at the bottom of Iraq in between Kuwait and Iran. Basra's main waterway is called the Shat al-Arab, but it also gets a lot of its water from a river called the Karun River, which comes from Iran. It's actually its second most important feeder river is the Karun River after the Tigris. Basra usually can depend on one or other of those rivers for water supply, but last summer both were basically running dry. And on the Iranian side, on the Karun River side, that seems to be because Tehran decided to cut off that water. Now, it's fair to say that Iran has its own problems with drought, as do all of the countries that surround Iraq. And so they've been building dams on the river to try to help with that situation. And, you know, other countries do it for hydroelectric supplies and all that kind of stuff. But what is a real big problem is basically a lack of effective water sharing agreement between Iraq and Iran and also between Iraq and Turkey and Iraq and Syria. And there just needs to be more water diplomacy in order for these rivers to be managed more effectively. Al-Abadran told me he thinks that the Baghdad government has basically failed to understand the key distinction between clean and salty or polluted water when it's been negotiating with Iran and has actually prioritised the quantity of water over the quality of water. So in this clip, he's telling me he went on a negotiating delegation to Iran about two years ago to talk about water. And he realised that the head of delegation from the ministry in Baghdad wasn't actually paying attention to the quality of the water Iran was offering. He said, you know, they said we need water. Iran said, all right, this is your share. But the official didn't understand that it could be polluted, this water. Mr. Badran thinks that that official, that Baghdad official, just didn't understand he needed to pay attention to the quality of the water rather than just the quantity. And is there any sign of international cooperation to help resolve the environmental crisis in southern Iraq? That doesn't look like a lot, I think the focus with international cooperation has tended to be on trade and other economic initiatives. You know, experts in Basra said they really weren't very hopeful about this. Mr. Badran, for instance, he said there was basically no cooperation on water. I talked to a former Minister of Environment and she said, again, she felt that very little had been done to actually enact any of the water cooperation agreements that have been either signed or touted over the years. And that goes not just for southern Iraq, but also for northern Iraq too. This is a problem really that affects the whole country because so much of Iraq's water supply passes through other countries around it. You've talked about the water shortage, but you've also mentioned the extremely hot temperatures in Basra and the rising sea level. It sounds like this is a lot of impacts of climate change that are all playing out in this one area. What do you think is next for Basra? I suppose we should stress that the data is quite incomplete when it comes to this region in terms of the environmental and sea level data. The Persian Gulf has very little publicly available data about sea level. But according to what we can tell from the limited data that we have, there has been a rise in the sea levels in the Persian Gulf. Likewise, there's not the kind of climate data that we would like to see, but we do know that temperatures are rising in this part of the world. Basra in the summer, it's like 55 degrees Celsius with humidity. 
And that's one of the reasons that people get so angry in the summer when there's electricity shortages because life is literally unbearable without some kind of air conditioning. So all these environmental pressures are coming to bear on a very, very young and growing population that is challenged by huge levels of unemployment, which adds to this very volatile mix in Iraq. That was Leslie Hook, our environment correspondent, talking to Chloe Cornish, our Middle East correspondent. Thanks for listening. Remember, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, you can find our latest subscription offers at ft.com offer. 